0: And hello, everybody. Welcome to Narrative on a Tuesday night, 4 p.m. on the West Coast, 7 p.m. on the East Coast. It's good to be with you tonight on a special edition of Narrative. We're very excited to have a really special guest tonight, Richard Signorelli, who's a former U.S. attorney for the SDNY, the Southern District of New York. He knows his way around some of the biggest prosecutions in history, and he'll know his way around the Trump prosecutions and maybe why Donald Trump is not getting prosecuted as quickly as many of us would have hoped. That's the big topic of tonight's conversation. We'll also look at Mary Garland and how the attorney general is doing at the DOJ. So that's coming up in just a few minutes. But hi, Heidi Kuda, how are you? Nice to see you.
1: Hi, Zev, happy to be here.
0: We have a big show tonight, so we should probably get to the news pretty quickly. I'm excited about Richard. I think it'll be really interesting. And viewers, listeners, whoever you might be right now, feel free to log on to the chat, especially on Twitter. We'll be monitoring that. Heidi will be monitoring that and making sure that we get your questions to Rich as we keep going on throughout the show. So uh, without further ado, let's do the... And there's a lot of news today, actually. It turns out to be a very big news day. The biggest news, of course, are revolving around two memos that came out. Memos, I think, are going to kill. You know, Alison Gill was on the show the other day saying, How many memos does it take to kill democracy? We've counted two, but there's two more that came out in the last couple of days. One came out late last night, it showed us a six point plan that looks to me like a plan to have an attempted coup or to overthrow the government. It's written by a lawyer who works for Donald Trump, and he basically outlines a way that Michael Pence could have overturned the vote during that January the 6th vote. And a second memo came out as well. This time it was about the lawyers in the Donald Trump circle who were perpetuating the big lie in court. Turns out they knew they were perpetuating a big lie in court. It's not surprising to any of us that that's the case, but the unbelievable goal of doing that by going to court system and trying to use the court system to weaponize it, unbelievable that that was happening. Pretty stunning story here, Heidi.
1: Wow, the enormity of the attempts uh, this man and his handlers and the people around him went to to try to keep him in office is really staggering.
0: Yeah, especially considering he's completely mad, for lack of a better (laughs) word. In other news today, a big hearing in the European Human Rights Court found out that there was a, a ruling around Litvinenko's assassination, which was the poisoning of this famous Russian spy who was out there revealing all these details about Putin and how he's connected to organized crime, connected to the mob. And here he is poisoned in that terrible way. And it turns out that the European Human Rights Court now says what we've all known for a long time, that in fact, he was killed by Putin, or at least the Russians. That's not surprising, but it's pretty telling, right? I mean, at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been 15 years and the, the grief that people feel is that there really was never any proper justice for this man and his family. So the fact that the Europe rights court came out and basically said, yes, this was a Russian hit is meaningful, particularly to his family. I'm certain.
0: Absolutely. Now tell us about the other big story in the news today, which was about the epic
1: hack. Mm. Well, it's just incredible. I think that this is going to unfold. The epic hack will unfold like the Panama Papers. There is so much data to this hack that there is not enough. You know, people who have been following it and trying to probe it are still uploading the data. And this man that you see on your screen is the CEO, Rob Monster. He held a prayer meeting last week. He's a Christian libertarian. That's how he describes himself. He held a prayer meeting last week, which was fascinating because Members of Anonymous were there, journalists were there. It was three hours and 40 minutes. A and prayer meeting. He, so this
0: was after the hack, he decides to have a prayer meeting?
1: Yes, two oh. days after the hack. And what's fascinating about it, Zev, is that he's clearly a very, very smart man. Should we and play a clip he of he the did, hack? Yes, go for it.
0: I'm sorry, the prayer meeting. Uh, so it looks like it's really quiet, uh, Heidi, this particular clip. So I don't think we're going to be able to hear it. He talks about cursing something or other in this thing.
1: Yes, yes. He does a number of things that are very interesting. In this clip right here, he's basically telling people who are viewing the data that they put a curse on it. So view it at your own risk. He also basically blames the vulnerability and the insecurity on a Russian dev team that he um, inherited. So that was a very interesting narrative. How convenient.
0: He happens to have a Russian development team. There's a thread in tonight's news because it's It's sort sort of on purpose, but it's all about Russia, of course. It seems to be everywhere in the news tonight uh, that Russia is still very much interfering in our politics. There's another story, of course, a Rand Paul operative charged with taking money from a Russian oligarch in order to meet Donald Trump and pocketing some of that himself. Not surprising to see Rand Paul involved in that, but there's certainly a thread that Russia is still very much here. It's not going away. And um, when we return, we'll be talking to Richard Signorelli former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York and a former criminal defense attorney, which is really important. And the guy's been to Princeton and Harvard. I mean, it's kind of impressive. We'll talk to him about what's going on with why Donald Trump is not being prosecuted, considering the enormous amount of cases that seem to have emerged, criminal charges and others that we think should have been already charged to Donald Trump and some of his cohorts, and they haven't been. So we'll come back after this little break and we'll tell you all about that with Richard Signorelli. Stay with us. We've got a special sponsor today. We want to thank Mural Guys Canada for sponsoring the brand new mural for our set. These Mural Guys are awesome. They're easy to install. Wall murals are the perfect solution when you're looking to decorate your home, office, or business. You can add drama to your interior, create instant accent walls, and get a completely new look in just minutes. Peel and stick wall murals from Mural Guys Canada are self-adhesive and allow you the freedom to decorate your home with absolute ease. Just peel, stick, admire, and enjoy. Murals are easy to install, and if you make a mistake, you can easily remove the panel and reapply without any mess. Wall murals are durable, washable and printed with long-lasting, fade-resistant, eco-friendly inks, 100% made in Canada by really nice Canadians. Have an idea for your custom mural that you want? Custom layouts and design are free. That's amazing. Make your space stand out with a unique wall mural today. Contact Mural Guys at muralguys.ca. M-U-R-A-L, That's ca for Canada. And if you use the promo code narrative NARATIV, you'll get 10% off. That's muralguys.ca, promo code NARRATIVE, for 10% off today. And we'd like to welcome Rich Signorelli to the show. Rich, thank you so much for joining us. You're a former U.S. attorney for the famed Southern District of New York, which we've all heard so much about in the last couple of years. You've also a former criminal defense attorney. That's very helpful in understanding the cases we're discussing tonight. Princeton grad and Harvard grad, that's pretty impressive. Thank you for being here tonight. We invited you to talk about what we're feeling, which is the frustration Around why no one in the Trump administration seems to have been charged for what could be an endless list of crimes. I mean, it seems it's been a while and nothing seems to have happened. Let's get your take on that and we'll dive a little deeper into some of the crimes in particular. Why is it taking so long?
2: First of all, thank you for having me, Zev and Heidi. I don't know why it's taking so long as to certain things, but generally speaking, it's a very complex investigation. We, the public, will not know anything or should not know anything about what's going on behind closed doors with regard to, uh, for example, the investigation into the insurrection, the planning, overthrowing our democracy and similar things. And the hope is that things are going on behind the scenes. Garland is doing his duty. He's exercising sound judgment and at the right time and in the right way, a prosecution's indictments will be filed, arrests will occur, and hopefully Trump will be brought to justice. But we don't know. And the concern that some of us have is that Garland may be waiting so that other criminal proceedings take place, for example, in New York or for the congressional uh, investigation to take place. I believe that would be a huge mistake. I hope he's not doing that. I don't think he's doing that but I don't know for sure. And the reason is these things take time. Uh, The Department of Justice has the most power to hold Trump and his accomplices accountable. There is no other organization has his power to subpoena witnesses, issue search warrants, compel Mm -hmm. witness testimony, and persuade witnesses to turn state's evidence, to use the power of federal criminal prosecutions so hopefully he's working behind the scenes, but this is not easy. It's very complicated. This is what really concerns me. There are cases he could bring now. He should have brought now. Uh, I'll, give you, yeah, go ahead, I'll give you two big examples, Mueller obstruction, uh, half the Mueller report lays out an entire case of obstruction of justice by Donald Trump. And that should have been brought by now. I'm disappointed it isn't, and hopefully it will. And even bob Mueller testified that this was a criminal case that could be brought the second area which i've spoken uh, publicly about on several occasions is a campaign finance uh, fraud involving stormy daniels and michael cohen donald trump was the ringleader he funded it he benefited from it he supervised it he directed it He wanted it to happen, and he's the one who benefited from it by keeping Stormy Daniels quiet in the month before the election. Who goes to jail? Michael Cohen. Donald Trump is on tape. There are witnesses who are willing to testify against him, and there's a lengthy document trail. That has not happened. The statute of limitations may be approaching next month, and it should be brought. So that's another example.
0: Let's touch on those two in detail, Let's start with what you've just mentioned, the Michael Cohen, um, Stormy Daniels case. You're right about the statute of limitations. I mean, that's almost here. It seems like in many of these cases, we're approaching that date. That's probably the reason Durham decided to indict that Democrat lawyers. So, you know, we are seeing movement, but we're seeing movement on the wrong side of the political terrain. I mean, we're not seeing any movement, it seems, against any of the leadership in the January 6th or any of the leadership in, in the Trump administration. And this is a good example, the one you just cited about Stormy Daniels. I mean, that case was a slam dunk, it seemed like.
2: I do believe it should be brought. It still can be brought. I'm not saying the statute of limitations expires next month, but that's the earliest time it can expire. Mm -hmm. There are various ways to toll it past that time when they compelled her to arbitration, for example, in the following year. But the earliest time, and you want to take no chances is October of 2021, because the payoff occurred in one month before the 2016 election. I really do believe that should be broad and, but there's so many, and this gets to the theme of should Donald Trump be tried with one complex case or should he be tried in separate cases? Actually it should be separate cases. He's committed separate crimes in different jurisdictions, federal and state, and he should be tried. He should be charged and tried at every single one of them without exception and keep him on the ropes and try him on the basis of the law and the evidence bring him in a court of law and start holding him accountable because the reason he did what he did and is still doing what he's doing is because he has never been held to account he has always been able to get away with everything his entire life he is a bully he uses lawyers to protect him and accountants and other advisors he insulates himself he's almost like a mob boss He speaks in code. He's not a very bright man. He's not a well-read man, but he's almost like an idiot savant as far as his criminality is concerned. But the time has come to bring him the justice, and I'll give Merrick Garland the most important reason to pursue Donald Trump sooner rather than later. Every day, Donald Trump is doing tremendous damage to our democracy. He's being assisted by right-wing media, by corrupt dishonest and craven GOP elected officials at the state and the federal level and he is supported by millions of voters in this country who have been lied to repeatedly only look at right-wing media and they believe every word and every lie that Donald Trump tells them every day our democracy gets weaker Donald Trump, I am convinced, will run again, even if he's indicted, even if he is a prisoner. He will run again as a political prisoner, and he will get the nomination from this corrupt party that uh, is the GOP. But the only way to undo some of the damage or most of the damage he is doing to this country is to charge him criminally. That's not to say civil lawsuits will not be also very effective. They will be but he must be charged criminally. No person should be above the law. He's been taught a very important lesson in his life. He can get away with anything and he will do anything he feels he can get away with, but it has to stop. And hopefully Merrick Garland will start pursuing him and bringing charges. I would like to address the difference between state charges and federal charges, because I think it really matters here what is going on. It's important that Donald Trump be charged with any crimes he's committed. Now he's committed state crimes. He should be the subject of state prosecutions. And the same goes for federal crimes. But there's a particular advantage that federal prosecutions can bring to bear against someone like Donald Trump. First of all, the penalties are severe upon a conviction. Second of all, there's less of an opportunity for Trump and his lawyers to delay the process. It won't happen right away, but I expect the federal prosecution of Donald Trump to be completed within one year to one and a half years at most I mean. a state prosecution could be delayed more than that. Now, a lot of people will say, wow, a year is a long time. It really isn't a long time, but in federal court, there are fewer opportunities to bring what, what's called interlocutory appeals, appeals in the middle of a case, which delay the case. In state court, there's a greater opportunity to do that, and hopefully it'll be limited by a good judge, state court judge. Um, But in federal court, things will proceed in a more orderly fashion, a more timely fashion, and the penalties are severe. And that might even give Donald Trump an incentive to perhaps cut a deal if he feels the evidence is overwhelming. Don't expect that's going to happen, but if he feels he's going to be facing draconian penalties upon an almost certain conviction, he might consider something like that, though I believe in all the federal cases, in any federal case that's being brought against them, and also state cases, it will be a trial, more likely than not.
0: so much there that you've just given us such a lot of information. Famously said once that he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and and get away with it. Is there a scenario that maybe he is above the law or at least has a deal of some sort of cooperation agreement or something that has given him the confidence to do these crimes? Is it perhaps that he's Is it that, or is it, could be a counterintelligence thing? Is he an intelligence asset maybe for Russia and therefore they're dealing with it in a counterintelligence way? Like are there reasons beyond the obvious legal ones that he's not getting
2: prosecuted? I don't think so. I don't think he's a competent intelligence asset. I don't think he's a competent cooperator. I think it's a matter of these are complex prosecutions. Garland took office, I believe in February. Mm-hmm. He was confirmed. Lisa Monaco, I believe it was several weeks later, his deputy attorney general, who he relies upon a great deal. These things do take time, especially the crimes that are ongoing and that took place after the election and through January 6th. That's relatively recently. But as uh, you point out, uh, we-
0: Robert Mueller gave us his report five years ago, four years ago. I mean, it's it seems like that it was, was already investigated. There's obstruction of justice charges there that could have been placed right away, and yet we're still waiting.
2: Sometimes prosecutors investigate a case forever, and they'll never be satisfied. There's no such thing as a perfect case. Your cooperators are always going to have credibility problems. The defense is always going to have some type of defense to put up. Uh, you're going to have jury selection issues especially when you're dealing with a divisive figure such as donald trump that being said prosecutors should also be courageous they should exercise sound judgment and proceed in as timely a fashion as possible even if they feel their investigation might not be 100 percent complete because it never will be even if they feel it's not airtight it's never going to be airtight but the timeliness here is really important it's almost like if this was an investigation of a bank robbery crew and they're wiretapping the bank robbery crew and there have been some bank robberies and they're planning more bank robberies and there's the threat of violence well the time to act in a case like that is as soon as possible because of the threat of violence the threat of harm to the community that's an analogous example where the time to act against Trump really is now bring him into the criminal justice system. Have him booked, have his picture taken, his fingerprints taken and have him cuffed, have him treated like any other accused criminal. He'll be entitled to his defense, his day in court, a jury of his peers, so to speak. And But bring him in the criminal justice system. I think some of the Teflon that surrounds him with one third of the country could be impacted. I don't think he'll lose a certain part of his deranged supporters. His core supporters will probably never leave him. But I do believe there's a material percentage of people who support Trump that can be persuaded that they made a mistake. It's going to be difficult but if we can bring his level of support down from one-third of the country down to below 20 percent, for example such as happened with nixon during watergate then that will also bring him down to a reasonable level within the what has now become a the corrupt republican party a party that stands for nothing but lies and power and money and once his power within the republican party is decreased to a much lower level, then perhaps these craven GOP officials will start acting more courageously and act against Trump when they realize he's losing a decent part of his base. Donald Trump in handcuffs is the best way to do this. I mean this. I've been tweeting about this. I've been trying to get this idea across to whoever will listen. Nothing else will accomplish this more than charging Donald Trump with the crimes he has actually committed and which can be proven in a court of law.
0: I 100% agree with you. You know, your analogy there was really good. I, I might even up it a little bit. It's like knowing that there's a terror attack that's about to happen. You have information that a terror attack's about to happen and you know who the terrorists are and you're, you're not doing anything about it. In a terror attack where you have an advance warning, you would go after the terrorists, you try to apprehend them. The damage being done to democracy every day by Donald Trump being a free man is enormous the continuing propaganda the continuing disinformation that we're facing as a country is so damaging to our democracy that you know I even worry about next year's elections being free and fair because there's so much manipulation being done on a state level we aren't even really sure that what's going to happen next year in november we really need to start taking a, you know a really strong stance against what they're doing on every level there's a, a new attack a new offensive on our schools that's beginning now these are our schools our public school systems are being attacked by disinformation campaign built on the back of stop steal, school boards, homeschooling, all these new things are beginning to show up. So these attacks are continuing every single day. Our democracy is not safe. And it seems to me that this is the man who's responsible for it, and yet he's still free. There are other people as well responsible for it. I mean, there are people who have funded him and we know who they are, foreign uh, adversaries who have supported him and we know who they are. And we know that there's media organizations, whether it's Fox News, AON or others, that are supportive of him and they have dubious connections too, do things like the Moonies, and yet they continue to operate day after day. What can be done against those people? What can be done against the media organizations and against the proliferators of all this propaganda?
2: I think the best way to deal with right-wing media influencers and social media influencers who spread out and out lies, for example, about COVID vaccines Mm -hmm. and the benefit of masking, things like that, is to sue them to bring lawsuits. They have a First Amendment right, but there are limits to the First Amendment right. You can't yell fire in a movie theater when there is no fire and cause bedlam and harm and deaths when people try to rush out of the movie theater. There are other limits to the First Amendment. Deliberately spreading disinformation to make money, which is what they're doing. They are lying about vaccines. They are lying about masking. It's disgraceful. But to the extent people are relying upon it, and I believe millions are relying upon it, and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, are being harmed, if not killed by it. And lawsuits, civil lawsuits, against right-wing media companies, the principles of the right-wing media companies, and the media figures who appear on right-wing media who are spreading these lies. Let's not leave out the dishonest folks on social media who are doing the same thing. Those folks who have huge accounts, million followers or more, and who are just lying. They know they're lying. It can be proven that they're lying and people are relying upon it. They're not getting vaccinated and they're being hospitalized. Many are dying. So civil litigation is probably the best way to deal with that whether any of those things cross the line into the criminal area it would be that would be a more difficult obstacle to overcome but it's not impossible for example let's take the regeneron example in florida you've got governor DeSantis, who instead of pushing vaccines and masking is pushing regeneron not perhaps not coincidentally one of his major donors is an investor in Regeneron. Now Regeneron is apparently an effective therapy once you come down with COVID. It's very important treatment, but wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be cheaper and safer for people to avoid getting COVID in the first place? Why hasn't Governor DeSantis not pushed the idea of vaccines for many months? He did so in the spring and he stopped, and now he pushes Regeneron why do that to the exclusion of vaccines and don't even get me started on his policy on masking how can a governor in good conscience not push uh, masking even for those who are vaccinated given the spread of these variants there's no downside to this only an upside safety and protection of his people so there's an example where if the if it can be proven desantis is being influenced by money and power to spread disinformation or not to do the duty that he was elected to do, then you know, that possibly could be a criminal case. There's also there 2,000 be-
0: people dying there every week or thereabouts. I mean, it's much higher than in any other state. It's only Texas and Florida with the death toll is so high right now because you've got two governors and a Republican party in those states pushing this anti-vax notion, which is not founded in science at all.
2: It's disgraceful. And let's not forget also civil lawsuits against the political figures Mm -hmm. because they do not have unlimited immunity to say and do whatever they want to do or not do what they're supposed to do. Unfortunately, the voters made a big mistake with these governors. Many voters are not informed. They're not exercising their own sound judgment and they're voting in people who are more concerned about their own electoral prospects than protecting their people and hopefully there will be changes in 2022 in Texas and Florida and Georgia for that matter Mm -hmm. three big states with three important governor elections and hopefully the people will choose life over death and will choose an honest politician over a craven politician uh, when it comes to it even if they vote against their party and I would strongly urge them to do so, to save themselves and their communities.
0: You talk about civil cases. Who can bring those cases? Who can be the plaintiffs there? Can anyone bring a court case against Fox News or DeSantis? Or does it have to be someone with a particular standing?
2: You need to have standing, which means you need to have some sort of relationship with the case at hand. A duty has to be violated that has harmed you directly. I think yesterday, the day before, a family reported that they lost the family member who refused to be vaccinated because he relied on disinformation from right-wing media. Well, if that can be proven, then I believe they're standing in such a case. I believe there's a potential class action. I've tweeted about this. I believe that there's a very large class action. Now, we're already seeing the defamation lawsuits brought on against a number of public figures by Dominion and Smartmatic election systems. Those two companies have been destroyed by lies and they are pursuing a number of defendants and hopefully uh, Donald Trump will be added to the list. Those are meritorious defamation lawsuits by companies who have been financially destroyed by slander and I'm realistic enough to know that there are some defendants in those cases who are going to be judgment proof when all is said and done. But there're going to be other defendants who will not be judgment proof. They have enough money there to compensate the plaintiffs for their losses. And you know, you have figures like Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood uh lindell they're still at it even though some of them have been a little more restrained because they understand how bad this is but they're still out there um this spreading disinformation about these companies and about election fraud and that's the big lie that could impact 2022 And really, it could impact twenty twenty four with the counting of electoral votes.
0: One hundred percent.
2: That's one of the that's one of the two memos that came out in the last two days, and it's so important to understand that our laws, and I'm speaking specifically about the Electoral Counting Electoral College Act of eighteen eighty seven, I believe. These laws are imperfect. For many years, they've relied on the good faith of our elected officials to comply with the letter and the spirit of these acts. And what is the spirit? The spirit is to abide by the uh, votes of a majority of the voters in each state in counting electoral college votes. That good faith has been thrown out the window by a sociopath by the name of Donald J. Trump And unfortunately, this sociopath is not acting alone. If he was, he would get nowhere, but he is being enabled by a host of figures and entities, either out of ignorance, cravenness, a lust for power, desire for money, or a combination of those. Mm. The real threat is that the various holes and ambiguities in things like the Electoral College Act can be exploited next time successfully. This is why I think Garland is doing an investigation because those of us who follow this, who worry about this think, how can he not Mm -hmm. be doing an investigation? It would be a complete dereliction of his duty.